really hoping and praying that for the congregation that's here for our 1030 service, that what God wants to say to you will impact you personally the way he wants to impact the kingdom. I really appreciate what uh, Jamie shared around communion this morning about the gospel. And ultimately, in its entirety, uh, there's, a real, there's a real breath of the Spirit on the truth of the gospel at the moment for us as a people. As a, as a church of God. And, and I, I just sense that there's a shift that's taking place. It's almost like there is um, a season shift of harvest that's upon us. And it's not necessarily just harvest in the natural. I'm really sensing it in the spirit this time. And, and as I've been praying leading up, you know, we did the, the three weeks of, of what is your passion. That was, that, was, that was to just start to stir our thinking. And what am I actually passionate about? We're going to hear from some of our pastors about what they're passionate about with giving us a challenge as a church. What are you passionate about? Just sensing that as we were heading through that, that God was saying, okay, it's now time to position ourselves for what he's got next. And, uh, and, and what, what's happening, you see, I'm, I'm going to be sharing on the parable of the lost sheep. So over the next three weeks, I actually want to break down three parables for us that's found in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 15. Um, and I want to do so with what God is saying to us today, not necessarily what he said through the words of Jesus. So there's, 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 there's so many great teachings out there on these three parables. Anyone can go on Google um, uh, videos of this being taught. You probably sat under great teaching as well of these parables. I'm not undermining all of that or taking any of that away. I'm just speaking to it of what God is, I believe, saying to us in this season as we enter into it. So just you stand with me as we as we begin? I want to read to you from the Bible this passage of Scripture. I just think it's really important that we stand together as one as I read this passage to us today. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, Verse 4, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Amen. You may take your seat. So that's Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 7. And, uh, and, and, and our worship team did a fabulous job leading us to that place of encountering the, the love of God, the reckless love of God that, that left behind all of the perfection, all of the royalty, all of the splendor, all of the majesty, left that behind to be born in an animal shelter, to be born in a place and laid in a manger, which is a trough of an that an animal would eat from. That he would leave the splendor and glory aside and come to this earth, come to the depravity that this earth has become in the pursuit of one. And we know that it was 
not, we know that it is greater than the pursuit of one, but Jesus, in the most worst part of his trial, in the hardest part of what he went through upon the cross, in enduring the pain and the suffering of the cross, had time for the sinner that was beside him, the robber, the crook, the criminal that was there, who had just that everyone had just caused to be crucifying him for his crimes, and he had enough time to say, today, you'll be with me in paradise. That was probably the most encouraging thing for Jesus at that time. Because it was the whole purpose of why he came. He came to set free and to bring into the fold the sinner. So we know that this passage, Jesus is relating this very truth. I don't need to teach that. I know we mostly have all got a good handle on what Jesus came to do. But what is it in the passage that Jesus wants to say to us today? So firstly, the parable. The parable itself, um, they are simply stories used that illustrate a moral spiritual truth. We know that. So there's something in this that has application. This man receiveth sinners. And eateth with them. There's application for the disciples of the time also, and there's an application for us today. And I think that's the beauty of God's word. God's word continually speaks, continually teaches, it continually encourages, it continually grows us from generation to generation, from glory to glory. And and, and that's kind of what I'm saying today is that God's got a message for us as we transition and, and step into the, the next thing that he has for us as a church to unpack in him. We, we're all going to pursue that together, yeah? It's something that we're doing in following him. So let's set the scene a little bit as we approach this topic. Luke chapter 15, 1-2, it's up there for you to read. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him. That is Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. It really gets on my nerves. It, it really hurts, and it often in my humanity makes me very angry. Can you, know what, you know what I'm saying? The, the, the judgmental spirit, the, the spirit that kind of comes out of a person, whether they're intending it to or not, but they're living from this lens that says that you, you are different to me and I'm better than you are. It's a criticalness that comes out of people's lives. And, and sadly, there's a blight on the church even today that you can walk into a church and you can see the people who, who tend to be a little bit more critical of others. And I said in the first service this morning, I'm really thankful because I'm, I can walk confidently into our church. And while there might be one or two every now and then, there's an attitude that just needs to be adjusted and, and people can take that back to repentance. Generally speaking, the sign on the front that says welcome home is actually a significant thing that comes from it, who we are, that we can welcome people home. Would you agree with me? That, that generally, we would have the confidence that no matter who walks in the door, we, might, we would be able to accept them. From a general perspective, and, and that's always something we've got to work on. We've always got to make it um, make a priority to it. But you know what I'm saying, don't you? You're talking to someone who who claims to, to love everybody, but then they're talking to you with a critical spirit about somebody who's offended them. 
or about the fact that you know they're just not getting involved in something. And, and instead of walking the journey, encouraging them, they're pulling them down and tearing them down. In the words, you know what I'm saying? Right? There's the same spirit that was in play within the Pharisees. They they just had this almighty sense of saying, you know what? I'm better than you are because I'm doing what God wants me to do. And, and, and Jamie hit that. He said, we're, we're not working for God for his approval. We're working from approval. Is that right? He was talking about it in that sense. And, and what comes out of this passage of Scripture is ultimately these, these, these Pharisees were saying, look at these people with Jesus. They were jealous that Jesus had a crowd that were following him. And, and often that's what they're at the core. And, and in the first service, I felt a need to do this. And, and I'm not necessarily feeling that need in this one, but I think we need to do this. And I want to lead you in something. Because ultimately, this is a human response. We're all, we're all on this journey to become like Christ, yeah? And, and it's, it's really hard to remain stainless or stain-free, I suppose is a better way of saying, in the world. People upset us all the time. Even in the church, people upset us. They do things that they shouldn't do. And maybe I'm not sensing that we need to do it as much because maybe God did something in my heart in the first service. Does that make sense? So, so maybe he set me free of something that I was doing just as I was ministering to the church. So would you stand with me for a moment? And, and I think this is appropriate for each of us to walk to and step into and embrace from our own perspective because I think ultimately what it's going to do is soften our heart for what God wants to share directly to you today. Is that okay? So what I want to do is I want to bypass the brain and I want to, I want to get directly to your spirit. And the best way to do that is for you to open your spirit up to God. Yeah? Because the brain is saying, you know this passage of Scripture. You can probably quote this passage of scripture. You can probably tell me the ins and outs of Jesus and, and what he was intending to do. And that's fine. But that's really good for you to have that, that knowledge. But knowledge in itself puffs us up if we don't allow the, the truth of the scripture to impact us and change the way we think about something. So what I want to lead you in right now is just a prayer of repentance. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I want to turn to you today. I don't want my thoughts and my, my thinking about this passage of Scripture to dictate what I'm going to learn from your spirit today. And in my humility, I'm hoping that you heard that I needed this just as much as everyone else. So if you're with me on this, let's just step into this. Lord Jesus, um, today I just come before you. And, and today I acknowledge that sometimes my attitudes are I choose right now not to justify but I look to your face ask you to forgive me grant me repentance that I may walk and follow you for every day Holy Spirit do a work in my life today I welcome You might think that might be a very simple thing to do. But 
but it's actually in the Spirit, very profound. You've given the Holy Spirit the permission to teach you about something. I'm not saying what I'm going to teach you is profound in any way, shape, or form. Look for the voice of God in what He's saying. Amen? Ask God, what is your voice in all of this? So we've got these tax collectors, and they're judging the sinners. They're judging those who are sitting at the feet of Jesus, and not only are they judging them, they're also judging Jesus. Because in their day, if you would eat with a sinner, then you're saying that you accept them in their mess. It's like, a, it's like you actually accept what they are doing. And I'll qualify that by saying, we see it in Corinthians when Paul actually addresses the church because there was sin in the church and he says you need to discipline them. This is my paraphrase. You need to discipline the person because it's a sin that we can't mention. It was so bad. And he says, put them out of the church. Hand them over to Satan. It's an interesting concept, isn't it? So that he can ravish the flesh so that they would come to repentance. My paraphrase, but that's ultimately what he's saying. And he says in this, in qualifying it, is don't even eat with such a person. So it's the same concept, isn't it? So the Pharisees were saying, look at Jesus, he's accepting them. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm not. I'm actually loving and he shows us that in his, this parable. He doesn't get angry, does he? He doesn't get sad. He's in control, complete control of his emotions. There's another time where he's still in control of his emotions, but we know when Jesus is angry, he calls them a brood of vipers. He tells them off. He fashions a bullwhip bull for himself, and he goes and flogs people as he's kicking them out of the temple. So we know very directly when Jesus is being angry. So right here, he doesn't go into anger mode. He doesn't go into to, to righteous anger and righteous retribution. He goes into this place of teaching even the Pharisees who have hardened their heart to those who are poor around them. I'm talking poor of spirit. And Jesus, he, he teaches them this passage of scripture, or this, this story in teaching them. It, it comes to this context where... Um, in Luke 19 and verse 10, he says this in the relation to Zacchaeus. Do you remember Zacchaeus? He was a tax collector. So Zacchaeus was worse than the sinner. He was below the sinner in the way that they and, and this little passage is This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. The perspective of how he saw the people around him, those who were in depravity, they were, they were living life. What man of you having an hundred sheep? According to their desires, he one of them, case, not, not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after that which is lost Some until he find it. Some people were born into prostitution. Some people were born, you know what I'm saying? Doesn't that actually explain and describe us? We were born into sin. We're born into depravity. We're born into these things. And, and he's saying that, you know, these people, I'm not accepting what they're doing. I said, I'm accepting them because I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. So he's saying that these people are lost. And many of you sitting here today, you were once lost, but now you're found. Praise God. But there's, there's, there's an underlying tone in this, in this parable that I want to talk to and get to as quick as I can, if that's okay. 
there is a reason these people are drawing close to Jesus. And usually it's found in what they perceive as coming from him. If people are perceiving rejection, um, antagonism, all of those sorts of things, uh, condemnation, then they're not going to be drawn to us. Is that right? But like Jesus, they were drawn to him because he valued them as a person. He loved them as someone who had no way of saving themselves. Who went beyond what they were doing to the issues of the heart. And, and these people found themselves in, in Jesus. In, they found him next to Jesus. They found him, themselves in this place where Jesus was able to teach them bringing correction without judging them. Isn't that interesting? And sometimes as a human being, we go straight to the point of convicting them and judging them. And, and that's what we've just repented from. But let me say why we repented from that. Let me, let me put you right in this picture very, very simply. Because you know what? We, we can all say, once I was lost and now I'm found. Once I was a sinner and now I'm a saint. Praise God for all of that stuff. But in the end, every one of us was one decision away from being a very different, being in a very different place than where you are today. One decision. That's how I've always said it. But a little picture came to me during the week as I was talking with Justin from Hayes. Justin's pastoring the church over there, and he's doing a fantastic job. And I just on the video, I want to shout out to you, mate, because you're doing great. But ultimately, this little picture come, and he, he told me who he, he gleaned that from, and I can't remember. But if you think about this, it'll change the way you look at people. And it'll change the way that you perceive got them into this situation in the first place. Has anyone ever done orienteering? Maybe you've done a little bit of that at school. Walking around the bush with a compass and, 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 and directions and you had to kind of work your way to a place. Well, life's a little bit like that, isn't it? And, and our compass is actually Jesus, so that we can draw a lot of lessons from this. But just think about a compass for a moment. A compass is due north. It points to due north all the time. No matter where you're standing, it goes to north. Is that right? If you think of the degrees of a compass... And if my life is walking due north directly to Jesus, and the person I'm walking with, there's, a, there's an adjustment on the dial by half a degree. Think about it. In 10 minutes of walking, we're already going to be heading into a different direction. That's right, isn't it? Now think about this from the concept of 10 years. Half a degree... And all of a sudden, it starts from nothing, and all of a sudden, in 10 years' time, that person's like this far away from Jesus. Does that make sense? We're all on this journey, and we're all in it together, but a decision is like a half a degree direction change. And if that decision is not corrected by God, because the person might have hardened their heart, or, or is just chasing the next thing, or the next thing, or the next thing, that, that doesn't take really long. And all of a sudden, that person's walking away from the land of Jesus. And I think we've all got friends that have done that. I just sew that one there for the moment. It's not a huge change, is it? It's not like we're walking from the north 
to the south, which is a complete opposite direction, it's one degree of change that over a long period of time, if it's not brought to a correction, will end up in a completely different location. It's that simple. It's one decision. If I had not come to that point of repenting after I'd walked away from God, I would not be here today. It's that simple. I would not probably be married. I would not probably have four beautiful children. I would probably, ultimately, I'd probably be a, a drug addict because that was the way my life was heading. That is one decision. And every day, there's sometimes some of us need to make that one decision every day. So just setting that scene for us that, that, that would help us to have compassion for someone instead of saying, you know what, this is a result of your choices. And, and I think we've all said that at times, haven't we? It's to help our hearts to remain soft. So are we people who repel others from the gospel of salvation or people who draw others to salvation itself, who is Jesus? Salvation being Jesus himself. There's a question we have to ask ourselves, remind ourselves, get to that point of saying, you know what? I want to be a This man receiveth sinners others, and eateth with them. Drawing people to Jesus. Am I talking to the right audience today? Is that you? Is this, is this a representation? What man of you having a hundred sheep? Because if it is, one of them, then I think does not leave the, the right ninety-nine direction. in the wilderness is, and go after that which is lost and too faint. What I'm hearing and sensing from the direction of the Lord is that we're entering into this season of harvest. And I'm just trying to step us into this in a way that we can understand it practically. That our job is to attract other people to Jesus through the attractiveness that Jesus has made us, have given us. There's, there's something that's attractional about you. I want you to tell your neighbour you are an attractive person. Now don't feel all weird about that. Maybe you two should tell someone else that there's an attractive person next to you. Because you know all lovey-dovey and engaged and all that sort of stuff. Maybe you guys should... You know, just branch out a little bit and say that someone else is attractive. Barry, you're an attractive person. Vilna, you're an attractive person. Rosalind, you're an attractive person. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you've got to start owning this stuff because, it, and like I said in the earlier service, I'm not a very attractive person. I'm overweight and I'm middle-aged. Uh, that's the reality. And, and I'm not that attractive. But if I keep telling myself I'm fat and ugly, I'm going to become fat and ugly, even more so. But if I tell myself, I look at myself in the mirror and I say, Mirror, you're a beautiful person, Jesus. No, not the mirror, the person in the mirror, right? You're a beautiful person. If you start to tell the mirror that, all of a sudden you'll start to, and I don't go around, I'm not fine, I don't do that. I don't sit there in the mirror and go, oh, look at that. I'm not that kind of person. Sometimes I find out, oh, no. But, you know what I'm saying? Some people have got to be that extreme if they're going to accept that they're beautiful and attractive. And that Jamie said it himself, didn't he? He said, we're not going to hide ourselves under a bushel, but we're going to be a light for Jesus. I heard that in his prayer. And, and the bushel is actually you saying it. In fact, ugly. That's my version. Your version might be very different. It might be whatever. That's the bushel. Don't hide yourself under the bushel. Take the bushel off. Be attractional. Be, 
Have an invitational heart that people can step into your world. Because your world should be actually Jesus. True? Am I talking to the right audience? Because I, I, I kind of don't know if I am yet. There we go. We've got a couple of people. So the parable is this. Raise your hand if you're a good sheep. Come to church regularly. You're serving Jesus. Come on, raise your hand. Be bold. Look, there we've got a bold sheep. There we go. Beautiful. Keep it up. Don't put your hand up. Who's another? We've got two sheep. Keep it up. We're going to be an auction. Three sheep. Another. Four. Four sheep. Any more? Five. Five sheep. Keep your hand up in the air. I want to tell you there's something that might blow your mind. There's no such thing as a good sheep. Because sheep are stupid. And, 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 and with that, all the hands went down, right? You know what I'm saying, okay? With that, all the hands went down because I don't want to be aligned with a stupid sheep. But the reality is that... Hang on, here we go. I'm going to go past that because I've got to run on my time. The reality is, we, I, read the, I read the scripture, so you know Jesus is saying, leave the 99 and go to the one, the one yeah? Number one, the reason sheep are stupid the reason God has to this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. We actually, sheep follow their natural tendencies, and that is to eat. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost in two Sheep are walking and wandering, and you know what? They wander off and they give themselves to the sheep. They wander away from the mob, and all of a sudden, they're locked. The sheep really are dumb because they just follow their stomach. Concept, and I'll get to the change of concepts towards the end. But sheep put in the picture, sheep wander. That's number one reason they're dumb. The numbers, number two reason they're dumb is because they're defenseless. Like those of you that put your hand up and said you're good sheep, you, you're not actually defenseless people. Like, This man receiveth you know, sinners really and eateth with them. As the analogy says, sheep are actually defenseless. If a sheep wanders off, they're actually becoming prey. And the sappers in the room know what I'm saying. If you look what at man of you having a hundred sheep? If you lose one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost so until you find it. The sheep are defenseless. It might be a lion, it might be a wolf, it might be a bear, which is what the biblical pictures are. But in our day and age, it's actually packs of dogs. And a pack of dogs can be as simple as two. Dogs get out of the yard and they go and give themselves a pack and all of a sudden there's 20 sheep there. No reason, not because they're hungry, just because they want to kill Because they get the taste of blood. Right? So sheep are actually defenseless. And, and, and the the sooner we understand that we move away from the mob 
we become defenseless, the easier it is for us to move on to the next point, which is sheep follow false shepherds. Not all sheep, but some sheep. Jesus is the shepherd, true. And then he, he, he finds gifts to the church, Ephesians 4. This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. False prophet. Someone who can come into the church and someone who can come into the fold and very simple small. What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? They're right. A false shepherd can do that really, really quickly because they're listening to the wrong spirit. And a really simple one would be, God wants us to be prosperous, is that right? The Bible talks very much about prosperity. But a false shepherd can make a doctrine out of prosperity and teach it so much that it shifts our thinking from the main game, which is sharing the gospel, to living a prosperous life. That is a half a degree direction shift in our direction and can lead us into the false purposes of God. Does that make sense? Uh, very, very simply that can happen. But it's a subtle shift. It's just a twist on the word of God. And doesn't Satan do that really, really well? He says to Eve, did God really say? He attempted that with Jesus in the wilderness. He turned that stone into bread. Why should you go hungry? Very, very simply, he uses the word of God to misalign us. And, 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 and very simply and innocently, let me, let me say that, innocently, we miss the voice of the Spirit in it and we can follow the wrong ship. And it happens. You, you know what I'm saying? So there's three things. Sheep are, will wander, sheep are defenseless, and sheep, if I put it in this context, if sheep aren't reading their Bible, it's very easy for them to follow the wrong path. True? You gotta feed yourself every day. Okay? Uh, stand in the word because it's your, your defense. All these things we know, but we are we doing them? If we're reading our Bible, we can very quickly, um, like the Bereans, see if what the word is being shared is from God or not. So so there's some answers there for you. These false teachers, they're so subtle. I like what Peter says about. He's not subtle in this in any way. 2 Peter 2, 14 to 15. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have marked trade. This man receiveth sinners children, and eateth with them. They have gone astray. They have followed the way of the man, the son of the earth, who loved gain. What man of you, having an hundred sheep, Maybe God's if he lose one of them, if not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until you find it. If you look at the world, we've got to get a vision for the world. Not that we have to be actively involved in all of the world, but God has a vision for the world. So it's about actually this. It's about hope is restored as Jesus pursues us. When it comes to our personal life, we all know that hope rises when we gain This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. When we say yes to Jesus and we step into the kingdom of God through the cross, through our acceptance, through our faith, and all that sort of stuff, when we, when we accept that, hope is restored and a plan and a purpose for our life comes. 
And lifting up our gaze is, is part of that, you know, because it's, Jesus leads us to taking our focus off of ourselves. And he, he, he leads us to this point that and through us, Jesus pursues the work. There's a sense that hope has to have its work in us, that, that not only is it about our well-being and our... Um, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. I'm not talking about the 180 change. I'm talking about those who are just misguided. They follow the insatiable lusts of their flesh. And it's led them to this place that ultimately one day they may get to this place if they don't see a correction in their life that they, can, they could reject Jesus. And that would be an entirely sad thing to see people walking away from their salvation. So there's something that I know God's really concerned about and it's, he's speaking to us about this today. Today we are to be restorers of hope in partnership with the King of Kings in restoring lives that have been lost. It is here I see that many Christian brothers and sisters could be in a place where they are trapped lost and perishing because they have believed the lies of the devil. Many people have wandered out of our lives and many have wandered from even this church. Not those who have attended another church, who, who, who left to go to a different church because they heard the voice of God. Not those who are now involved in another church, sown in, growing, doing those things. I'm not talking about the people like that who have left, who might have left town, gone to a different church. I'm talking about those who are not walking journey God has in this city. There are people that even coming to your mind now, even to your heart's eye, that mind's eye, that you're starting to think about, maybe it's people in your family, maybe it's people that you work with, maybe it's people that you think, well, you know what, I had a thought about them the other day and was wondering what was happening in their life. God is interested in seeing them restored back to the place and the journey that he has for their lives. It's a simple following of the appetites that they've pursued. But if you take nothing but this sentence, church, we are called to pursue the lost sheep of this world. And I think ultimately that's what God's saying to us as a church in this parable in particular today. He pursued us that we might pursue those who have wandered and have been entangled with the worries and the stress and the weighing downs of this world. It's our call to be ones that would pray and begin to seek the Lord for opportunities to open up their heart. I had a, even my own life, my aim was to be done ten past, quarter past. So. In my own life, my journey was that that in my early teens, I was about 15, 16 years old, and I'd already started to wander from the plans that God had for me. I'd already started to invest too much, sorry, Sarah, into my relationship with my to-be wife. And, and, and it was a distraction for me, and it was definitely a distraction for her. And, and God sent someone to bring correction to my life. But I was already too far into the journey. And what I did was I took offence at my youth pastor, who was just trying to talk to me in love. And 
I never made myself accountable to him, even though I was kind of in leadership of his youth group. And that correction of me, it, it caused me to bang, shift even more drastically away. And I walked away from church, 16 years old. And I said, I, I'm, I haven't walked away from God. That was my justification. I just walked away from the person who hurt me and ultimately the system who hurt me. And the reality was, there's no way he could have hurt me because he approached me in love. The reality was, my heart had become so bitter that I had taken what he had said to me and rejected it and walked, kept walking my path. But I'm really thankful that for three years, a friend of mine prayed for me. And after we got married, he waited that six-month period, and then he rang me one day, and he said, it's time for you to get back to the plans of God. And he took this passage of Scripture literally. He said, I'm going to come and pick you up on Tuesday night. I'm going to go to a, it was an ecumenical Bible study for young adults at that time in Ripley. And you know, it was a fantastic group of people. And they led me back into the fold. And I came back to a place where not only... It was a different church at the time. It wasn't us, it was a different church. But, but God brought me to a place where I could forgive that person and let those hurts go. And then as he led me into this church, he led me into another place where I could completely surrender my mind. If it wasn't for that person who stepped into my life as a friend and just said, you know what, I'm hearing from God and it's time, then I never would have stepped back into church. Does that make sense? Now, I'm discrediting God in that only in saying that I never would have stepped in. Now, God had a plan. He wanted me to step back in. He, I would have. I just don't need to know the rest of what would have happened if I had said no. Does that make sense? Like, like God ultimately will get his people back in. But I'm going to value the people that he uses along the way. And as I was preparing this message, I actually shot my friend message because he's back in the journey of coming back into the church as well and after going through much hurt in his life and I just said to him I'm so grateful that God used you to bring me to a place where I could influence others does that make sense like to me I was just like being sharing my gratitude with the one who was obedient to the word of God and he followed the voice of God hope restored actually means joyful celebration. That leads me to that. That was our big concept. We didn't say that. That we're called to pursue lost sheep of this fold too, right? I said it, but I didn't do it. This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. What manner of you, having an hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, if not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until you find it?
when he hath found it. He layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he cometh home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, <laughs> saying unto them, Rejoice. Jesus would pursue us in such a way that when he laid us upon his shoulders, all of heaven would rejoice that we would return. And now that we have returned, do we sit in the seat of mockers, in the seat of scoffers, and scorn those who have not reacted the same way that we have? Or will we partner with Jesus in the greatest plan of all time, which is to continually gather in those who would wander away, those who don't know anybody, those who think they're doing the right thing, but they don't necessarily get it right. For me, this hope links us to the plan of joy our life. That, that whole sense of rejoicing comes from that scripture. And when he had found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing, filling, it, filling as a person your, your greatest privilege, which brings joy. And as I conclude this today, as I conclude this today, let me conclude it with this story. There, there are families in your life whom God is highlighting to you now that he wants you to pray for. There are friends who have heard the gospel and the enemies come along and snatch the seed and it hasn't taken root. They need to hear the gospel. They need to encounter the gospel. They need to be transformed by the gospel. There are people that have had that experience that have just wandered into a life of, of apathy where they just, they love Jesus, but they're not fulfilling the call of God on their life in any way, shape or form. And if we lift up our eyes to an eternal perspective, it's not about what happens on this earth. What we do on this earth puts us into a place of how we are received into the kingdom which is and an eternal perspective, I don't want to stand before my God hearing the words or, or feeling the thought that I have suffered loss because I haven't fulfilled the call of God on my life. I don't want that for anyone. I don't want that for the people in my family. I don't want that for the people in my family. I don't want that for the people in my community. I don't want that for the people of my nation or the nations beyond. That picture of the world is to get us to lift up our eyes. There are people that have left our city that are not walking with God anymore. And you are still in connection with them over Facebook. You're still in connection with them. You call them once a month. And maybe it's time to just give them a ring and say, how's your walk with Jesus going? And you could be that person. You see, you've heard it enough this year. God... God wants to transform us into a place where we become more like Jesus. Not that we are Jesus, but we become more like him. We're on a pathway and a journey that says, I am living a life 
that will show Jesus to the world around me. That's God's ultimate thing. He wants you to express that through your life. That's why being transformed by the way we think is extremely important. That's why you should look at the mirror and say you're a beautiful person. Because it transforms the way you think. When we transform the way we think, ultimately we start to bear the image of the Good Shepherd. And I said to you before, God relates to us on the basis of sheep, but he doesn't want us to stay in the basis or thinking of sheep. You are no longer a sheep if you are pursuing Jesus. You are called to be the image of the Good Shepherd. It's not about you anymore coming and just experiencing church and doing the checkbox for your life. It is actually about you conforming no longer to the patterns of this world, but being conformed into Jesus himself. The image of him to those that he is sending you to. We are to be little shepherds, which is like a chip off the old block. And we don't do that in our own strength. We do that with the grace of the Holy Spirit who empowers us with spiritual gifts so that we can be Jesus to the person who needs Jesus. It, 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 it's a season where I think the transitioning is that we take our focus off of ourselves because God is growing us up into his image. And isn't that a beautiful image? That we can be little Jesuses to a world that needs Jesus. How do we do this? Let me, let me give you one example to embarrass one person in the room. I'll give you one example. How long have you been back in When he left and Jamie goes to PNG, this church paid for his ticket in a, in a reasonable way. It was a partner that was a partnership. In particular, one particular member sewed into that as well. He went up to PNG for mission school. I'm only taking my time with this because he's in the room and I want to respect him before he went in the room and it wasn't on the video so I could say whatever I wanted 2011 he's in PNG 2012 he's back and, and if I'm honest my gut feelings are this but in our conversations over the phone you were floundering were you? you had no direction didn't know where you wanted to go felt he was called to the mission field I think the mission field would have destroyed you if you had left there wouldn't it? would have destroyed you there's a path that you've been on an amazing path as, as God's transforming him into being a little shepherd like Jesus. This is, the, this is God's plan for your life, as much as it is for Jamie's life, as much as it is for my life. Jesus directly told me through my prayer life that he was one I needed to go after. There are two families at the moment that, that God has highlighted to me that I'm going after, and, that, and I think one of you will be watching this video. 
There are, there are people that God is starting to highlight in your life that you need to go after. And that's going after them in prayer. That's going after them in sending them messages and calling them and praying for them and, and, and leading them through the hurt and the pain that they're in. Not accepting their sin, but accepting the fact that Jesus accepts them. He was, he was struggling to find a job. He was struggling really to find place and position in his church. And I rang him because what I heard was, give him a job, give him a home, tell him to come home. It was that clear. It wasn't audible. That was that clear. I got him a job at the place I worked. I called him up. I said, come home. It's time to come home. You've got a job. You've got a house, a roof over your head, it's my house, and you've got a church. And he came home. That was 2012. And yeah, we've had to put up with a lot of rubbish, haven't we? But the whole idea of doing an ordination celebration on the 17th of November is to honour the church who would actually sit back and say, you know, these guys... Is, there's a call of God on their life and we've got to support them through the good and the bad. It's actually not about honouring the pastors at all. It's about saying you guys have been a part of this journey from day one and we want to honour you because you've had to put up with our rubbish. True? Because we make mistakes every day of the week. Just like you, we're human. But God specifically sends us for particular people and if we're open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, you might be leading the next pastor into your church. You might be leading the next missionary that's been running from the call of God to go to Uzbekistan or something like that and share the gospel. And you have participated in that journey as you've listened to Jesus. Now, this is not a, a story about Steve or Jamie. This is the, the common story that happens day in, day out, as the church does her work. We are to become like Jesus, and in becoming like Jesus, we are to rejoice when we see one restored who has wandered away. And that means that we actively take active participation in seeing that God's call out working. Who is it today in your life, in your world, they might not have been a personal friend. You might not have known that they're in this church, but you're sitting next to them in your office at work, and they've told you once before they used to live, they used to believe in God, but they're no longer in that place. It might be that person. There are lost sons and daughters out there in the world. We are going to call them sheep for our analogy today. Who not for any reason of their own, other than they haven't captured the idea of giving themselves entirely to Jesus and they're still following the basic human nature. Does that make sense? That's who we're called to be. We're called to pursue the one who is entangled in the briars and the bushes of this world. We do so knowing that we've got God in us. Can I invite the band back if you'd like to stand your feet with me this morning? If...
If you just close your eyes for a moment, maybe Novi, you can play something special. I really love this lady. She's she's gone to another level in playing in the last six months. And if you just let your heart listen for a moment to God, He wants to play something through you. Okay? is as much about Jesus saving you as Jesus using you to save the lives of others. Today, Jesus wants to deal with the rubbish in your life that says you can't. Because the reality is you actually can. Because it's not in your own strength, it's in his. You all know my story. Would you be brave enough to step forward? Is there someone on your heart right now that Jesus is highlighting and saying that you need to go after? If there is, would you be willing just to step out of your seat and step forward in the aisle or even up the front? Like, don't miss the profound opportunity that stands before you. There is someone in your life that you need to start praying for. For those of you that have been praying, you're entering and about to step into a moment where you're about to see them come back and restored to the Lord. And I prophesy that because I believe that's the word of God for the season we're stepping into. You are contending for sons and daughters. You are contending for brothers and sisters. You are contending for a loved one. Or you are contending for someone who is very significant for you. And I just sense that God's saying in this moment, we're about to enter a season of seeing their walls completely torn down. And it's going to be through the love and the acceptance that you show them because of the love and acceptance that God has given to you in your life.
stepping in for right now. I'm standing in the gap believing. I'm believing for the restoration of marriages. I'm, I'm believing for the restoration of callings of God. I'm believing for a breakthrough in the moment by moment walk of their life. I'm, I'm believing. Are you believing today that there's people in your life that God wants to touch in a way that will see them run for the cause of the gospel the way that Paul says his eyes fixed upon the prize? And while the World Cup might be a beautiful prize to run for, I can tell you the prize and the crown of which we're running for in the eternity called heaven is such a more amazing prize. God is saying it's a season where you're going to see your loved ones return. Would you raise your hands to heaven this morning? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us and download into our hearts a strategy to see our friends and family members restored to the path that you've set them on. Lord, I just believe for a release of your kingdom strategy and the desires of our king would become the desires of our heart. I pray, Lord Jesus, you would transform us in such a way that we would not be about our selfish desires following the, the designs of our bellies, but we would come following direction of your spirit Holy Spirit open our hearts to hear your voice in the early mornings as we are in our beds Lord compel us to rise and to fall to our knees and to pray for the loved ones that you have placed upon our hearts for Lord this is not a game this is the salvation of the lost in the name of Jesus, we repel every attack of the enemy upon those that we are believing for now. Every enemy that has been, every assignment that has been put against these people to stop them walking into the purposes of God, we break that now in the name of Jesus. And we declare freedom over their lives. So much so that the Holy Spirit would begin to move on their hearts and begin to open up their hearts. Like you did, Holy Spirit, when you said to me, it's time to go back to church. And I opened that up and I said to my wife, it is time. God is speaking. It's time to return. And that night I received a phone call saying, I'm coming for you. You're coming back to church and you're coming to what God has for your life. Lord, let it be as profound as that in the lives of those that we are contending for even right now as we stand here in faith. Lord, that you would move on their hearts so much so now that they would hear your voice. Some, for as, as long as 30 years who have not heard your voice, I pray that they right now hear the voice of their shepherd. Do a profound work in us, Lord God, that we would run and we would seek and we would find those whom are open 
ready and that we would walk the journey of restoration, Lord God. Father, we sing reckless love. Would you fill us so much so that we would be the objects of reckless love pursuing others with the same love as your Spirit gives us. Not in our own strength, Lord God. Not because we want this, but because it is a godly desire and it comes directly from you. Our loved ones, they belong to you. And we call them in. We call them to restoration. We call them, Lord God, to a place where they can find love, forgiveness, and acceptance in Jesus. Turn us upside down. May we run for you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus.